Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we're back at it again, and it's Anthony's birthday. Yay! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy to you. Happy to you. Happy. I'm stopped there before I get carried away and do the next verse. Wow. Happy birthday. Thank you. Isn't that actually um, like a song for Martin Luther King Jr.? What? Let me check on that. I'm almost certain. I thought that was Stevie Wonder. I'm almost certain. I'm over here typing. They may hear me typing. Yes, it was. On Aww. Monday, September yeah. 29th, I clearly, we just learned something new. <laughs> and y'all did too, because y'all know y'all didn't know. Y'all did not know what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> no, Martin Luther King. Y'all tried it, and you tried me with that quick Black History trivia. Was- <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you tried it. That's so funny. Awesome. How are you feeling being 25 Whoa. and such? I guess I am 25. I feel like I'm waiting on my, what is it, quarter life crisis to pop up. Yeah. But I'm feeling good. <laughs> Good. I'm really excited for you. It's gonna. It came for me probably like two months after I turned 25, um, and it was not fun. I, that's when I like enrolled in grad school all quick and shit because <laughs> I felt like I need to get in school and I need to get in school right now. And yeah, all this stuff, like I had no idea what was going on or what I wanted to do, and yeah, you know. But kind of after. Well, a few months ago, I just it, things kind of came full circle for me, um, and now I feel better. So, yeah, yay! And I'm so excited for you. Happy birthday! Yes. Okay. Um, welcome back, everybody, to the Common Sense Podcast. <laughs> and my name is Patrick, and I'm Antonia, 25 year old Antonia. What's good? Um, and welcome back. We are back at it again. Two teachers who are letting you know about the realities of our education system from the teacher perspective. Still working on that intro, but we're getting it. Episode 10. That's crazy. Can you believe it? Episode 10. We already have over 10,000 listens on SoundCloud, which is great. We are nearing a thousand subscribers on iTunes, which is awesome. We need y'all to leave some ratings though, too, so we can see those ratings. Um, but it's just so incredible to see the amount of people like who have tuned in to us, who have given us feedback, who has showed us so much love over these last couple of weeks that we've been doing this podcast. Um you know, when we first had this idea, it was, you know, it was not a big deal to us. We were just doing it just for fun, and we still are. And, you know, it's really have, it's really just taken off. 
and you know we're really loving uh, just the feedback you guys are giving us and the conversations that we're able to be a part of and start and contribute to and it's just a lot of fun i'm having a blast a blast it's nice to get the feedback um from teachers who identify exactly with what we talk about each week. I mean, it's not always the same person every week, but there's something that resonates with someone every week. And it's nice hearing that feedback. Absolutely. Oops. Absolutely. So with that being said, (laughs) I was staring at me. All right. I'm going to uh, play a little game with you. Um, I'm going back to nostalgic education kid things that we used to do in school or out of school, but things from my childhood, okay? So the first one is this thing will help you get through a road trip really fast by testing your knowledge of random things. At first, I was going to say a map, but then you finished your sentence, and I'm really unsure now. Okay, here's another clue. Um, You're bound to learn 1,500 new things when you finish this thing. Is it that smart kids thing that was like, it wasn't flashcards, but... What's the name of it? That's half crazy. Is it brain something? Huh? It's, is it not brain, brain something? It's brain quest. Yeah, that. They still make those, you know. Yes, and I need some for, like, a get-out-of-my-face center. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're just, like, when you're done with your work, like, go look at some brain quests. You can download early finisher stuff from TPT, though. (laughs) Don't nobody got time for that. All right? (laughs) Period. Okay? Luckily, my class loves reading this year, so I don't really have to tell them to do too much. Um, the next one, the last one, this is, I didn't, FYI, I don't know the name of this thing, so maybe you'll remind me. Okay. But I wrote, like, a small description. Okay. So, on, all you need is a line sheet of paper, sorry, no, no, no. All you need is a sheet of paper and a pencil, and you'll be able to tell someone's fortune. A cootie catcher. Yeah! Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I used to make those, and people used to make those. It's like, pick a number, pick a color, yes. pick another number. You like such and such. I'd be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get $10,000. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, because I picked the color purple. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see them anymore. No, we don't see those anymore. I should probably introduce yeah, those to my kids so that they can, uh, you know, get with the program. Finger muscles. You can say that's what they're stretching. The folding the paper and the creasing and yeah, that's what we'll say. Come on, fine motor skills. <laughs> yes. You have. Do you see doing the letter S? The one with the straight lines. Yes. Yeah, my kids still do that. Funny enough, we wrote letters to families affected by 9-11, and they wrote S's all over the paper as as, as decoration. Okay. <laughs> kids are doing the darnest things. Minds of children. Do you have any good news this week besides your birthday? 
I do. So, because I'm always recommending books, one of my favorite people that I've followed on Twitter, like when I started tiptoeing into academic Twitter, um, is Dr. Eve Ewing. She is a professor at the University of Chicago, and she is just all types of magical. Her book, Ghost in the Schoolyard, Racism and School Closings on Chicago Southside, comes out October 5th, but I got my copy today, I think because of a small oversight, so I'll be reading that right now. I'm going to push everything else to my never-ending to-be-read pile and focus solely on that one for now, so I'm very excited about that, and without even having read it in its entirety, all of you should go buy a copy of it, because everything she tweets and everything she writes is just amazing. And yeah, go buy it now. Awesome. Cool, cool. cool what about you? Um, <clears throat> well, my kids um, recorded their own podcasts today in class. They have been in this perseverance unit where they've been studying characters of perseverance. They have been writing very short um flash nonfiction stories of um detailing their own perseverance um experiences in their lifetime and so in groups they design their own perseverance podcasts just reflecting on their experiences and um putting forth you know content that allows people to take away lessons that they that they took away in this uh, unit. So yeah. I'm sitting there and we're recording in my fake studio. And this one group, like they really just take the assignment to the next level. And they shared some really personal things that they have overcame or are trying to overcome. And, it just blew me away because they did the parts that were assigned, but then they went off script. And I was just like, oh my God. And some of the things that they shared was just, uh, it was so gut-wrenching. Um, and I guess it just is a testament of the state of our classroom community right now, which is awesome that they've feel like they can share those things in front of me, who I'm a new teacher, and more importantly, in front of their peers uh, without fear of judgment, which also speaks to, you know, empathy, which we've been practicing. Um, and it's and it was clear during the podcast that they wanted to say cer- certain things, but they didn't know kind of what to do. And so I kind of, you know, stopped the podcast and, and I said, you know, like, don't leave those stories out there. But, you know, like, because the audience can't see that you're putting your hand on such and such's back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like actually verbalize your thoughts and like, let's, let's share what we, you know, kind of feel in this moment. And it just, it just was so inspiring. So inspiring. Um, it's the podcast, the other podcasts were really creative. Some of them were really funny. Uh, some of them told jokes. And so it was just a really cool way of creating a, an assessment that was not paper pencil or was not, (laughs) 
you know, just kind of writing a story in a writer's notebook, but it was different. And so I enjoyed it. That's really interesting because I'm sure with all that you said they shared, there's no way they would have written that out all on paper. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And I don't know if they made it up right there in that moment or or if they planned to share it, but I was just like, y'all didn't tell me y'all was saying this. Oh my God. I like had to look away for a minute because I was damn sure about to cry. So, yeah. But yeah, that's my good news for the week. So, we're not actually not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, but the world has been watching the Senate hearings um, as the president has tried to put forth another Supreme Court nominee. And what makes this Supreme Court nominee different is that three women, correct me if I'm wrong, have accused him of sexual assault. Yeah. yeah. And we are currently in the midst of watching this play out live in person. And I don't even feel like going through all of the facts because <laughs> that's just exhausting. I also don't even feel like talking through the minute by minute of the Senate hearings. So if you haven't seen it, I'm going to ask you to pause this, go catch up, and then come back. because. What I really want to discuss is how does this impact us as teachers and how does this hearing impact our students? This is such a heavy topic. So when you say how does this impact our students and like in the classroom, I immediately thought of how even in kindergarten I'm talking about consent. And I know recently there was a post floating around um, on Instagram by a teacher at Teach Teach and Transform who shares some amazing resources. She shared a lesson that she did with her third graders, I believe, about consent. But in kindergarten last year, it had never occurred to me to really explicitly teach in a whole group setting appropriate ways to Touch sounds so negative in this context, but touch other people at school Um, just because it hadn't been an issue I'd had previously because the children had picked up on the social language by then and knew like if someone didn't want to hug, they didn't want to hug. But my first year in kindergarten, I had a child who really struggled with personal space. And so to aid that child and all of the other children in understanding what was happening, we started talking about how we need to ask someone if we can hug them. You need to ask if you can touch their things or their hair or their body. Um, And understanding that no is an acceptable answer. We talk about how no means no, even in kindergarten. And If someone says no, like you, you say, okay, you walk away. That's it. There's no discussing. Well, why not? You just need to accept their answer. Later in the year, we started to talk about body language um, because beginning of the year kindergarten, some of them may pick up on the body language, but some of them may not. We talked about how 
if you were to go to someone and you didn't ask permission to hug them, if you notice they're not hugging back, you you need to stop because it means that they're not wanting to engage in that with you. That keeps happening. I keep flicking this. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so later in the year, we talk about noticing people's body language because at the beginning of kindergarten, they may not necessarily be ready to notice and interpret what it means and how if you reach for a hug and you didn't ask permission, if someone's not also reaching out to return the hug, you need to stop and, you know, walk away and end the hug. And all year, we also used sign language for it. We did the sign for stop when the kids felt uncomfortable or someone was not listening to the way they were saying it nicely, they would do the sign language sign for stop and use a firm tone with each other. And it really made a difference in children speaking up about when they felt uncomfortable or when someone just would not leave them alone. And even this year, we've already had that conversation about no means no. And if a friend tells you that, you need to acknowledge that. Even with, at this point in kindergarten, it's people looking at them. Um, If someone tells you no, like, no means no. So even at that really simplistic um, stage, it's a way to start that discussion very early on for children. You know, it is no secret that forever, (laughs) since forever ago, whatever, our country treats women like shit. (laughs) The way that, you know, men have treated Dr. Ford and the rest of the women who have so bravely come forward is so, (laughs) is so clear, really. Their views on women, their views on sexual assault and how all of that comes second to power and this Supreme Court win that they're trying to rush through. But as you, you know, so beautifully stated that as educators, we have roles in preparing students to be different adults (laughs) when they grow older. And I have a very particular role being a black male teacher who teaches black boys in an all-boys school. And having no girls present, <laughs> it uh, it allows boys to have more... It allows boys to have more... Less of a filter? Less of a filter and just more space to be authentically themselves without the pressure of gender roles. But because many of them, well, many of them have such a strong curiosity of girls and women, um, and it's almost heightened in the upper elementary (laughs) classroom right you know there are some kids who think that girls are weird or whatever but you know i taught sixth grade last year and there was you know this whole notion of i need a girlfriend like me having a girlfriend is a part of my identity 
almost. And it sort of defines who I am. And so with that comes this sense of urgency to find, to, to find, you know, some girl that they can put on their arm, which in turn (laughs) created this really unhealthy language around how, around women and how they thought about women and um, how they described the girls that they came in contact with. And so, in a sense, like, I sort of want, <laughs> wish that there were girls in the classroom that could, you know, speak to them directly about some of the language that they were using. Yeah. Um, because I think it would have been more powerful then. But I wish that I had done a better job last year not just speaking about misogyny and sexism in a historical context, um, thinking about women's suffrage and all those things, but I wish I brought it more current to sort of attack <laughs> the way in which my boys were thinking about women and that they weren't using women to affirm their own masculinity. Which is, like you said, it's always been the case. It's Which has always been the case, right? And so I think going into this year, I am all on it. Well, going into this year, I'm trying to be more proactive um, and not shying away from reading women's stories consistently. Um, I think many times when, when we hear all boys school that means like no girls allowed but actually no there is even more of a reason to include women's stories particularly black women's stories so that we're creating a healthy language around kind of what without it without that experience with those those texts and those stories I mean, yes, they'll get them outside of school, but that's also like contributing to a huge void. Is that the word I want to use? Maybe void. I I don't think that's the word I want. Someone will comment and say that it wasn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, I don't know. It's, and it, it does a disservice essentially. So I like that you said you want to be intentional about including more of those this year. Yeah. And just having more conversations surrounding girls and women so that it's not so taboo, you know, in the early or in the upper grades, in the upper primary. Um, Because I don't want my students to be having conversations with their homeboys and spitting out that rhetoric of, oh, that was 35 years ago, or, oh, she should have told when she had the chance, or, oh, women always doing this, or females are doing this, right? Well, first, I want them to have so much respect, you know, for women, starting with their mothers and, and the women in, in their families. Um, but then I also just want them to have so much knowledge and understanding of the things that women have gone through in this country that they won't allow themselves or the people around them to speak in ways that degrade women ultimately. 
I've been completely astounded by the amount of men who I personally know who have said, oh, well, that was 30 years ago. Things like comments from people I just never would have expected to say that because you don't get to decide when someone comes forward with their story. That is not up to you. And even if it is 30 years later, you need to still be held accountable for that. And I think having the conversation early on with children, starting young elementary and, you know, following up through upper elementary will, like you said, create a different, um, a different future, a better future for us in the way that we perceive women and the way that we perceive others. Yep. And, you know, I definitely understand, you know, I didn't tell until many years later and, you know, I still went back to the same summer camp, even though I had endured that and I didn't tell until the next summer. And like, I definitely get it. There are so many, (laughs) there's so many factors that go into telling. Um, And it's never easy to tell anyone, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And so I don't necessarily know if discussing this, in class is something that I will do, but I know that this hearing is certainly informing how I will be teaching um, my my boys moving forward, you know, the rest of the school year. I think it's also worth noting how infuriating it is to watch him be reduced to, like, for it to be excused with them saying, oh, well, he was a child, He was in high school, yada, yada, yada. What do high schoolers do when black and brown children are persecuted every day? And like they're children. Amen. And they're not doing the awful thing that he did. They're just existing. Mm. But I don't even know how old this man is. But however old he is, he's still being painted in this this childlike image. In, in hopes of having his actions excused. Which is completely ridiculous. Um, I don't really know what will happen next for this nominee. Um, you know, the way this administration, this Congress has been going, uh, the, the direction they've been going in. I don't have a ton of hope. I just don't, but I do have hope for all of us, all of us educators, all of us teachers, and all of our students. I do have hope for all of us because we don't, we have, you know, eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, times 180 days a year to put small things in place to ensure that our students don't recreate the same traumas that we're watching here on TV. And we can't control everything, but we have some control there. But I also, like I said, how it's interesting seeing him being painted in this childlike image. It's also interesting to hear that the administration cry out that their nominee is being sabotaged by the Democratic Party. Um, as they try to rush this vote just because of how 
the exact same thing happened when Obama tried to nominate. I'm someone. just saying. Like, <laughs> like okay, y'all doing the same thing. So, those are my last thoughts on it. Yes. I haven't honestly been following it too closely because it's just ridiculous. I haven't either. I haven't either, but I did watch a nice, you know, a nice chunk of the hearing today, and I'm exhausted by it. I'm so exhausted. Wasn't he cracking jokes and stuff from what I heard? Uh, well, it was just, a, he, he had a range of emotions, honestly. Um, he was screaming and he was crying and, you know, it just, it just was a hot mess. Um, Dr. Ford's uh, testimony today was very moving. Um, but that's only because I come to the table with the mindset of, when somebody tells you that they've been sexually assaulted, my first instinct is to believe them no matter what. Yeah. It's not up to you to question No, that. no. Because you know what? I sat in a living room when I was 20 years old and I watched my mother question me. And I know exactly how that feels. It's the worst feeling ever to have somebody who birthed you and raised you to question one of the most humiliating, embarrassing moments of your life, right? And then I can't even imagine, but I can empathize and I've seen like how being a woman on top of all of that, you know, like contributes to this narrative that men are trying to paint. Um, it's just really disheartening. It's really disheartening. Our country really has to do better. <laughs> but you know how they do. <laughs> you know how we do in the U.S. of A., my Lord. So, on that note, we'll take a break, guys. Yeah. And we are back again. Send your questions to commonsensepod at gmail.com or send your questions to www.commonsensepod.com and we will read them on the show. The first question comes from this is actually a question we get all the time. <laughs> um, this person says, I love y'all's podcast. First of all, love a good y'all's, okay? Yes! <laughs> it's making me grow and ask so many questions as a second-year teacher. I teach high school English down in Hampton, Virginia, and I would love any point of view, any advice, really anything around teaching secondary. I know you guys are pros at elementary, but I just respect you both so much as educators in general. Thanks so much for pushing your listeners to be self-reflective and socially aware. She says she teaches ELA, right? Yes. Okay. My first instinct or the first, not instinct, the first thing that comes to mind is how awful and Patrick is going to give me a crazy look. How awful whole class novels can be. <laughs> I, t- I knew it. <laughs> um, that's all I remember about my English classes in high school. 
is having to read. We read to kill, How to Kill a Mockingbird and like two other books. And that's all I remember about high school ELA or secondary ELA. Everything was assigned and I never got to read anything that I wanted to read. And so I felt like I was competing for the time to read things I was interested in. So I would just be my, like, I don't know if you do a reading interest survey, which is something we definitely do in elementary to help curate the books that we have in the classroom, as well as it helps when you're planning guided reading lessons, maybe offering that to your students to see where a lot of their interests lie. And if you are doing whole class novels to find something that kind of aligns with a lot of their interests. Yes. Um, remix everything. So if you're doing a classic, remix it with something modern, a song or a poem or something like that, so that they're getting that fresh and that new with the classic and they're able to digest that that information. Um, but for me, I think high school is such a critical point. Um, and I think we have to lower the pressure, if you will, as it pertains to graduation. I think that, <sighs> you know, like, the minute that a ninth grader walks through the door, many schools' main mission is to get them across the stage. And we don't spend as much time on building that love for learning that we do in elementary school. Um, and even in elementary school now, we're building a love to learn, a, a love for learning so that they can walk across the stage and go to college. Not because we really value learning and lifelong learning, right? And so I think high schools really have to challenge themselves to uh, figure out what they can do differently to ensure that there are a lot more independent projects, there are a lot more choice and autonomy, and ultimately that students are walking away with not only strong academic skills, but strong executive functioning to survive in the world um, in a variety of contexts, because not all of them are going to college. Um, some of them are taking a gap year. Some of them are going straight to work. Some of them are floating around and trying to figure out what to do. Um, but we, I really just want them to take this overemphasis on graduation like 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 just get rid of that <laughs> and yeah. like and like really focus on learning um i think but it's so hard because graduation is there like to me um you know from my perspective is like their standardized test or, or whatever well they have standardized tests too like on top of that right and some people have to take a standardized test to graduate in new york um, but I'm just, you know, those Regents exams I heard are interesting anyway, in Florida as well. Um, you know, Texas got something. I'm sure. I'm sure y'all crazy down there. Uh, but those are my thoughts. I definitely want to come and teach secondary. I love guest teaching secondary. I wouldn't do it every day though. I would not do it every day. I also want y'all to create a future teachers club in secondary as well, please. I was in one. Yes, I remember you talked about it on a yeah. previous episode that it's critical. It allows them to kind of put their 
teacher boots on and, you know, see what it is that that we go through while building future teachers because our profession matters and we need a pipeline. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have another question. This one, um, well, I guess we could apply to any grade level. It says how to deal with grade level teams where one teacher isn't pulling their weight. Love the pod. <laughs> okay. You want to go first? Oh, uh, sure. Um, I like working on an island. Um, I don't like forced collaboration. <laughs> Ultimately, like, I try to make sure that I'm doing the best job. Uh, I think that this whole, like, your teaching depends on someone else is BS. And ultimately, I don't depend on nobody for nothing. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I don't. Um, so you're not trying to collaborate and team plan every week? Not if it's not organic. Like if it's like, oh, we should really collaborate and plan on this. Or like, I really want to ask you a question on this. Like, I don't believe in forced grade level planning meetings. I don't believe in forced department meetings even. I think that um, collaboration is at its best when it's organic and when everybody wants to be there at the table, not necessarily when it's forced on you by these uh, powers that be by these powers that be, you know, it, it just wastes time ultimately. Like, I don't know. I think collaboration is important, but, you know, you got to you got to be willing and ready to come to the table with people that you actually like and respect. And if that's not the case, then unfortunately, sis, it's it's not going to happen. Um, but my thing is, if you're not trying to, you know, paddle boat with these folks, go ahead and jump out and swim to your own island and send them a newsletter when you're ready. But if you're in public school, you better still show up to those those meetings because uh, they're going to write you up. You know how I feel about that. But yes, they will write you up. And if that really matters to you, then go and bring your laptop and do something else. And if it doesn't matter to you, then don't show up and do what you're supposed to do. People can't argue with results. So if you're producing yeah. results, why the hell does a great level team, you know, matter if as long as you're not like destroying the culture or whatever of your school, your staff culture. But if somebody's not pulling their weight, it's like I'm about to waste my time with you. Did you know, you know how I'm always talking about I'm entitled to 450 minutes of planning? I looked it up and the state of Texas passed that law because of a lawsuit against Houston Independent School District, which I find hilarious because I had issues in that district. And that's where I learned about that law. Um, But a lot of the team planning, if you tiptoe over to the Internet and look up the laws around it. You'll find some interesting things. That's all I'll say. But that's that's only for Texas. I don't know what it looks like in other states. My idea about teammates not holding their weight is I don't really care because kind of like what you said. <laughs> okay. Kind of what you said. Like at the end of the day, I feel like I'm responsible for my kids and I know my kids best, and I know what I need to do for them. So if someone doesn't give me a math lesson plan, oh, well, 
I need to go do it myself. And I'm also kind of becoming, I enjoy planning with other people and bouncing ideas off and all that jazz, but I'm also finding myself doubling back to look at everything anyway so that I can really understand what I'm teaching because say, and I know it's very common, you do ELA, I do math, you do science, you do social studies, and then we combine the lesson plan in one document and then we submit it. Well, now I have a script. I didn't look this stuff up. I didn't create these lessons. I I don't, I didn't dig into this. And so the times that I have been given beautiful lessons by my teammates and I've not by of course, a fault of my own, gone back and looked deeply into everything. I find that that is when I trip up and that's when I become short with kids and that's when the lesson doesn't flow like it should because I was using something that was given to me by someone else and just rolling with it, which is not always, it's it's not a best practice. Like you should know what you're teaching, why you're teaching it, how you're teaching it, and taking the time to make those necessary adjustments to lessons that you may be given by a teammate. Because at the end of the day, all of you have the same classroom responsibilities as each other. Sure, you want to split up planning, but at the end of the day, you're all doing the same job. You need to meet the same goal by whatever means you you reach that goal. So someone not pulling their weight, that doesn't bother me because I'm expected anyway to ensure that my kids are receiving instruction in XYZ. Amen. Amen. And, glory (laughs) and like deadlines and i don't know all that stuff all of that stuff is very at least in my experience it's very specific for your kids in your class so i don't know in what way a teammate could not be pulling their weight i don't know so and that wraps up the Q and A portion. If you have any questions, please send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or send it through our website at www.commonsensepod.com. I have a quote for us. What's your quote? It's from Tupac. Oh <laughs> what's good? Um it's I feel like lots of people know it. It says, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the brain that will change the world. Mm, Yes. Yes. I mean. You matter, guys. You have a big role. We all have big roles to play in the lives of children. A huge role. A huge role. Um, And like the church folks say, like, (laughs) you know. You got to see it before you see it. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You got to see it before you see it. You got to see your way out. You you really got to visualize the the change that we are making. Um and what is it is it a Sam Cook song where he says a change going to come? I think it's Sam Cook. I don't know. I was born by the river. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that Sam Cooke, no? Okay, we're really in trouble. <laughs> That's definitely Sam Cooke. <laughs> wow. Don't unsubscribe. Please stay subscribed because of that. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely Sam Cooke. It's going to come. And, it, I see and, and for many of us, like, you know, we see the way our students behave in class and we're like, okay, yes, like the change is already here. It's already here. And so we just, you know, are going to continue to mold them. We're going to continue to challenge them. We're going to continue to instill a, a 
lifelong learning, lifelong empathy. Like we are going to continue to create these people. And then because we are doing that, we will be the people that we want to be and that our world deserves because that's what makes teaching the best profession. Because not only are we molding the change that will sweep this country in mass numbers, but in turn, at the very same time, we are changing ourselves. And because we are changing ourselves, we are changing the people who are around us, and they are changing the people who are around them. You better preach. So with that being said, keep up the good fight. Keep it going with your eyes open, ears peeled, and let's get it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And happy birthday, Antonia. Happy birthday. Happy, 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 happy birthday. Happy, happy. All right. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) We'll we'll see you next time. Happy birthday. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 